This is Roof English Radio with Darinata, daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Roof. Hello, this is Roof English Radio. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company. So it's Monday afternoon. It's about three o'clock. And as of three o'clock on this Monday afternoon, as you're probably aware, no eruption across the Reykjanes Peninsula or in Grindavik. The waiting game continues and there doesn't seem to be any real sort of consensus as to how long we're going to have to wait or even if this thing is going to end without an eruption. Here's what we know so far today. There was a press briefing, another one hosted by Civil Defence at 11 o'clock this Monday morning. At the end of our conversation today, I'm going to let you hear a section of that that took place in English. There were questions from foreign media who attended and everyone on the panel was asking, was answering those questions rather in English as well. So we'll bring you that in case you missed it. 120 houses have been open in Grindavik today for residents to return to and collect their valuables. A number of businesses and representatives of companies have gone back to the town as well. The chief of police in South Iceland saying that a very great deal of uh, seafood, for example, was rescued. It's been saved. So that is worth noting as well. The construction work that's going on of this defensive wall around the Svartsengi power station and the Blue Lagoon, that is continuing. Footage coming of this massive um, bulldozer, the biggest bulldozer in the country, doing its work building that defensive wall. As we heard at the weekend, there were also plans in place to build a defensive wall around the town of Grindavik itself. So if there is an eruption, presumably outside of the town, this will help to stop the lava or any lava lava from making its way into the city, into the town. Um, also worth mentioning the words of Arman Huskeldson, uh, who told Ruv this morning, he's a volcanologist, that what's happening at the moment is that seismically the country is recovering from the earthquakes on the 10th of November. That is a full 10 days ago now, which seems extraordinary, of course, but the country is recovering. Iceland, as you doubtless are aware, if you remember your geography lessons from when you were younger, is at the one of the largest plate junctions in the world. You've got the American plate pulling one way and the Eurasian plate pulling the other way. When that happens, magma crawls towards the surface, but of course not yet with enough power to reach the surface. And the words of this volcanologist on roof this morning saying an eruption is still expected. It's just a matter of when and where. But, and we're hearing this more and more actually, the odds of it happening do diminish as time goes on. I spoke to Thorvaldur Thorvaldsson uh, from the University of Iceland on Friday, it was I think on Roof English Radio, possibly Thursday actually last week. And he said that at that point, if we get to sort of 10 days hence, which would be a week away from now, then we'd be in a situation where the odds of any eruption happening as a result of what's happening right now would diminish quite quickly and quite significantly. I don't know whether that's best for the people of Grindavik or not. Maybe they want to have an eruption that takes place ideally as far north as possible along this magma intrusion which lets all the pressure out lets all the magma out and doesn't damage the town it would erase a lot of uncertainty so so maybe there not being an eruption is not the best outcome here uh, i wonder if that is the case as i say we'll bring you the english section of the civil defense press briefing that happened earlier on in just a few moments but first let's speak to margaret adams who is my guest today she of course looks after Ruv Polski, the, Pol the Polish service here at Ruv. And worth saying, Margaret, of course, that you're getting a lot of feedback from, from Polish people in the country and indeed a lot of Polish residents, I guess, in Grindavik as well, who are following events in their native language on Ruv. Yes, hello. Uh, 
Yes, many people have been following uh, Ruf Polski and our uh, daily live blog, which is uh, which uh, Ruf is uh, conducting in three languages mm. for now. Icelandic, mm. you have the one in English and I have the pleasure of writing the one in Polish. And uh, yes, um, there is a significant uh, amount of uh, a number of there's a significant number of uh, residents of Grindavik that is of a Polish descent. Mm. So um, that's why the um, civil defense uh, meetings are also translated into Polish and we are um, always uh, transmitting them on mm. our blog and also on Ruf Polski. And we are trying to um, get all the information to the Polish community yeah. as well. It's um, a bit somewhere between 20 and 30,000 yes. Poles that live here uh, in Iceland. And uh, obviously, uh, statistically, that's why Ruf Polski has been, um, uh, that's why Ruf has been providing uh, the service. Providing yeah. service yes. I had a lovely message from someone in the UK a couple of days ago wondering why on the roof. Uh, website, roof.is, there is the union flag in a little circle for Roof English. And then our correspondent said, why is it the Greenlandic flag next to that? And I went, oh, actually, it's not. It's the, oh. it's the, because, they're, because, the, because they're in little circles, True. it True. looks like the Greenlandic flag. And then I, I, I said to the person that got in touch, no, the, the, reason that it's, uh, the, the reason that we have the Polish service, it's not Greenlandic, it's Polish, is that there are so very many Polish speakers yes, in yes. Iceland. And what, about 7 8% of the population, yes, something exactly, like that? Yes, exactly, exactly. And yeah. also, you know, the stats don't, don't uh, include people like me and my children, say, that have uh, obtained the Icelandic nationality. And yes. there is quite a bit of those. Mm. So uh, absolutely, I think it's a very necessary service. And, and obviously, it's, it's necessary to inform everybody seeing that there are a few hundred of, of Polish speakers mm. that reside in uh, Grindavik and then uh, the biggest uh, fish processing plant called Visir that uh, is from Grindavik mm. uh, hires at least 200 Polish speakers. A couple of other things to pick up on today as well. I know that you mentioned this on Ruf Polski. These red dots that were seen on oh the drone goodness. footage of Grindavik, either last night or a couple of days ago, I forget. A lot of people saw that and thought, well, that's an eruption. That's magma. Yeah, because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a red color in the crack. Yeah, yeah. You know? What actually happened was, as I'm sure you know by now, is that when this footage was being processed, when it was being color corrected for, for broadcast on television, because that area of the screen was so black, Completely it was pitch black, black. Mm -hmm. the, the software got a bit confused and, and rendered it red. But yes. it was right in the area of the crack, wasn't it? But it's really, really funny that it actually yeah. happens in that waiting game, like you say. Yes. You know? and, yes. and obviously people reacted quickly. And I got uh, myself, I got a few messages uh, to my personal account yeah. from, from, from friends or people that know me. And uh, they're like, "What? What is happening? Why? Why is it not on the roof?" And I'm like, "Because this is definitely not lava." It's not an eruption. Are yeah. you sure? And I'm like, "Yeah, hundred percent. I'm yeah. sure." And it's not just us looking out for this, of course. It's the finest mines in the world in, in, in this area Absolutely. who are monitoring. I and mean, if there is an eruption. It's going to be covered on roof and on other reputable outlets as well very quickly. Absolutely. I would say and it will be and it will be the in this information will, will be delivered very quickly and very there's no way that lava would appear 
somewhere and someone takes a picture of it and no one else uh, from from the civil defense or the scientists will notice. Mm. That's not going to happen ever. That said, we have, I think, three cameras running from Rouve at the moment, trained at the kind of areas where it might happen if it's going to. But as every day passes, the chances of this not happening at all, at least in this cycle, actually increase. It, it, it's not impossible that this ends without an eruption. No, it's not. But the funny thing is that yesterday this, this land rise have, have heightened so much, yes. right? And the land has risen by uh, 30 millimeters in, during one uh, day as opposed to 50 millimeters during previous 10 days. Mm. So things that are very contrary yeah. to themselves are happening. And, and that's why it's it's quite uh, incom- uncomfortable. Yeah. And the land is rising, as I understand it, in an area where the Earth's crust is weaker. Yeah. So there's less resistance, which yes. is why it can rise more easily. Yes. But it doesn't mean in and of itself that A, there's going to be an eruption or B, that's where it's going to be. Yes, it still can can end with no eruption. Yeah. But but the, the problem is that that doesn't solve anything anyway no. because the, the damage has been done already, and and obviously the the possible eruption would do possibly even more damage. Mm. Uh, so uh, and, yeah, unless it it's, comes, it's, it's a hard situation. It is. I mean, I suppose if it comes up in a place that is currently being protected, either by one of these two... That would be ideal, yeah, obviously. Either by one of these two defensive walls that are being built around yes. and near Svartsengi in the Blue Lagoon, or indeed the one that's being planned. And as far from around, town as possible. Grindavik. Yes, as far north as possible. Yes, as far if it happens in the sea, there are other issues which, yes. we, which we can get into, Yes, there's a port, obviously. There's a port, but also if it happens under the water, then you've got a possibility of an ash yes. eruption, which might affect flights Power as well. plastic flow yeah, yeah. and all sorts of So we want it as far north as possible really, yes don't we, we do in the mountains that's that's the best as close to to the area that the previous eruptions had eruptions happened also as we publish this conversation probably right about now actually if they're not there at the moment they're on their way the prime minister and others making their way to this uh, drop-in facility the service center for Grindavik yes. residents at the old toll house in Trigvagata in the capital and hundreds of people making use of that service every day, it seems. Yes, and also uh, one thing worth mentioning is that uh, all the residents of Grindavik that speak other languages, whether mm. it will be English, Spanish, Polish or Russian, or I don't know which one, uh, you can also go to that centre and there will be a translation provided for you. So it's not only for the Icelandic-speaking residents; mm. it's for all the residents. And uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, you can you can sign up for all sorts of service. You can express your uh, need to receive an apartment, yes. to receive financial aid, or some clothing or items that you might need for your children. You can express. Uh, the need of the child getting into the kindergarten or school or whatever else you might need. And obviously a big part of it is uh, also mm. the psychological support. Yes, and the Red Cross are helping with that, yes. aren't they? Now, yes. it's open between 10 and 6 every day. Uh, the media have not been allowed in, which is perfectly reasonable, I think. Yes, But they, they will be today for one hour, not least, I think, because the Prime Minister and various others 
uh, will be there. So that's the the drop-in center, the service center, I guess. And which the is old uh, the old customs house. Customs house yes. at Trikvagata, right downtown, across from this uh, very famous hot dog stand. Absolutely hard to miss. Okay, so the Ruv Polish service is available. On the Ruv website, uh, ruv.is, ruv.is slash Polski. Yes. And follow the flag, which is not the Greenlandic flag, yes. but it's the Polish flag. <laughs> and of course, you can uh, find out the latest news in English anytime as well by heading to the same address, but you click on the UK flag, ruv.is slash English. As Margaret says, there are live blogs running not just in our two languages, but of course in Icelandic as well. And here on Ruv English Radio, a new show every day, which today, for our second part, as I say, will bring you the English section of the civil defence press briefing that took place earlier on. You'll hear four voices here. The head of reconstruction at civil defence, a senior psychologist at social services. You'll also hear someone from the Icelandic Met Office. But we start, and, and he will introduce all these names to you once again. This is the director of civil defence, Vithir Reynison. With me today, I'm from the from the Civil Protection. I'm the Director General for the Civil Protection in Iceland. <coughs> uh, with me today is Johanna Lilly, who's from Grindavik, who's a head of uh, uh, social service and and uh, educations. Uh, Ingeborg Lilly, who is uh, our head of of uh, uh, the service centre that we have in 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 Reykjavik for for the population of Grindavik, and Benedict from the Met Office, who is a scientist of of deformation. If I'm Correct to say Correct. in English how, what's happening, and he's trying to interpret that. Uh, I just mentioned a few things about the operations and on, that's been ongoing for the last uh, 10 days, about getting the people of Grindavik to get, be able to go home and go into their houses to save some valuables. It's a difficult situation, and we only have a few minutes for each, each family. I talked a little bit about uh, uh, the regulation, the restrictions that, that we have on the media, and why, that's why it is that the media is not allowed in t- inside Grindavik. And it is because it's a closed area, it's a risk area, so everybody who goes in is accompanied by responders. And for the last days, we only had a limited number of responders, and we have used all of them to uh, escort the, the, the people of Grindavik that's allowed to go home. Uh, we're looking into the week that that would be more, maybe more possible for for all the media than those cameramen and, and photographer to go in, but that has to just uh, come come. Uh, we have to see. Uh, so, if there is any question about the families and the children, Johanna is is going to be able to answer that. Is something about the service center? It's Ingeborg or the or the nature? What's going on? It's it's Benedict, and I'll try to. To answer other questions, if it is. So we'll just start, if you give me a sign, you'll just start, please. Sure. Uh, I'd like to start probably with the science part of it. Yes, please. <clears throat> How much, um, where is the magma today? Is it any closer to the surface? And do, are we closer to a timeline of when we could expect this to happen? Is there, for instance, the next 24 hours, or do we just not know? Well, um so we, we, we have uh, very clear signs of magma being intruded into the whole 15-kilometer-long dike intrusion. Um, that uh, already on 11th was estimated at less than one kilometer depth, the top of it. And we have not, since then, we have not seen clear signs of the magma getting closer to the surface. However, that's not excluded, though. But 
I think in terms of, of um, the probability of something happening on the dike, uh, this 15-kilometer dike, and particularly in the center of it, it if, if an eruption will occur, it, it's probably within days rather than weeks, as, as, these, as these, the signs we are seeing are very rapidly uh, wearing off, leveling off. So, yeah, I, I think that's our estimate, that if this continues for a while without an eruption, the likelihood decreases with time pretty rapidly on that particular front. But however, we also see reinflation at Svarsinki, which introduces the next episode of this possibly in the future. <coughs> Sorry. Two questions. One is about the, um, the sort of evacuations and people being able to go in and out. Is that a regime that you're going to continue the way that it has so far, that people can go in and get some stuff and <coughs> Or is anything going to change there? especially with uh, if things deteriorate. And also, what's the current status of that diversion that you're building for possible lava that could jeopardize the geothermal power plant? Um, I'll try to answer it if I'm not coughing. Okay, sorry, I was looking at it. <laughs> the, the first question is about people going in and out. That's something that we see that will, will, will continue. Uh, we are in now uh, a long time planning because we announced that on Saturday uh, to the people of Grindavik that there is very low, very unlikely that people will be able to move home for the next months. And we, for example, mentioned Christmas, that nobody's going to have a normal Christmas in Grindavik. So we are expecting that people will, would like to take more of their belongings. So we are planning on that, that people that, that uh, want to empty their houses, that, that is a uh, uh, phase that we could be getting closer to. Uh, for the last days, we have been uh, assisting people to empty houses that is so damaged but it's definitely not going to be possible to live in it until after a, a huge repair. So we have emptied some of the some of uh, homes in that way. Um, so that's that's this going to be continuing. People going home, getting small things, and then at the same time, some some uh, will be able to take everything that they that uh, of the belongings. Um, the barriers that we are building around the power plant is going quite well. We are a little bit of, of ahead of schedule in that. Uh, the uh, timeline was 30 to 45 days, and uh, and for the first now almost a week that we have been working there, uh, we have done more than we expected. So the first phases of, of the of the barriers are are ready. So even if we would have an eruption in in the dike at this moment, uh, we are we at least we would delay uh, the lava flow to the power plant, uh, and uh, if we if we get a couple of more days, maybe a week more, we will. Uh, we had the lava, uh, the, the barriers for the lava for a week or 10 days, uh, and then at that time we will be able to prolong it even more. So we are, we are a little bit ahead of schedule on that. Mm. I have one more, yeah. sorry, one more just, just a question about like families and, and, and especially children, because I saw there were a lot of families who were, who were leaving um, as far as just placing them in other schools. And there's a lot of people who are in limbo right now and could be for an extended period of time. What sort of challenges do you guys face with that? Yes, yeah. yes we, um, our priority is now is to keep the children together. So we are building, building here in Reykjavik small uh, groups, uh, schools that are opening next Wednesday, where the kids can uh, be together in a groups uh, in uh, Hedna. So they, 
we'll try our goal is to to keep them together and we know what's next so they won't be moving around you know <laughs> switching school with uh, while they're moving around in Reykjavik or on the area here around because most of the children are uh, located in the Reykjavik area Okay, question here, please. Thank you. Can I ask where you think the most likely place is for an eruption? You said it was, and how far away would that be from the power plants, particularly? Well, um, I mean, it, it's it, it, there's a lot of uncertainty around that, and and we have a 15 kilometer long dike, and and in fact, we could expect an eruption anywhere on that dike. However, what we've been observing with deformation data. Is and also this concurs with the seismic data that the most likely area is just west of Thorbjörn in this in this uh, in this Mount Hagafell region. Uh, no, this is this is oh, I think about two kilometers north of Grindavik or so. Is that in how far from the power plant? Ah, that's well, similar with one and a half. Kilometers. Yeah, one and a half kilometer from the power plant. Yes. Okay, and you're talking about the um, the lava flow and trying. You're saying you're ahead of time. But if it continues, I mean, what would your long-term plan be for that? Well, we have multiple uh, plans that we are working on. The, our first priority about the power plant is to try to protect the lava to go there. But if that fails and we will have lava on the power plant, then then we are in the in the phase of, of uh, putting reserve uh, waters, uh, electricity. But the most challenging thing that we're looking at is the heat because the uh, in the power plant that produced the hot water for uh, all the Reykjanes area, which is about 30,000 people living there. So we are working very fast to have a, a plans to how, how are we going to deal with that if the, if the heat goes. We have plans about the electricity and the, and the fresh water, but still there is a lot of challenging uh, around the heating of houses if, if that would go. So you don't know what to do about the hot water then? Is Sorry? So the hot water is a massive problem for you at the moment? Uh, the hot water is, is going to be the most challenging thing because uh, in the other phases we have a uh, possibility to do something. This, this would be a challenging because, for example, if we would put uh, uh, electric heaters in all the homes in the area, we would drain the, the power system just for that. So that's, uh, we're looking at solutions that, that could help us in, in that, and that's, that's going quite well, I think. One more last thing. Um, it might be lost in translation, but on the Met Office site, yep. it did say substantial risk of an eruption in the next few days, and that changed to high risk. Can you? Was that on purpose, or was that just lost in translation? Uh, I don't know. I mean, th this. I mean, we. Um, the risk of of an eruption is deemed high because of the past events, because of the dike intrusion that occurred. And while we do not, while we're still seeing an inflow into that area, and, and we're still seeing it, it, reduce, it is reducing pretty fast with time now. However, it's still, we see, still see the signs of this. And that means that we, well, we claim that there is high, <laughs> high, high risk of an eruption occurring there within the next, day, within the next days. Um, how high? We can't really say. And what, does mean, what that means exactly, we can't really... I mean, we can't quantify that properly. But there are people there that need to be evacuated 
in case there is an eruption, so while that's ongoing and we think there's a possibility of an eruption, we will be stating this high level of uncertainty about this, simply because what's at stake. Final question, I think. Yeah, just two quick ones. About yeah. the wall that's protecting the power plant um, and the Blue Lagoon, are there examples of this working or not working for you previously? And a follow-up question about just the situation in the Reykjanes Peninsula. Are you worried about more volcanic activity in this area nearer the population centres? And, and what are you doing to prepare for that? Because that, we're seeing some kind of new era of, of volcanic activity in this area where there are more people. Well, uh, our, our general risk assessment um, that has been done uh, for the whole area says that, that uh, when an episode like this starts, as we had in, in 2020 or 2021, we should prepare for uh, an eruption period for the next uh, decades. Uh, the location of, of it, uh, and the, the most populated area which is close to this uh, sources or uh, possible eruption site is Grindavik. So the, the most risk scenario that is in our uh, plans is the one that we are looking at at the moment. We have had uh, three eruptions in a site where it was no problem at all, and we will probably get uh, eruption in, in that kind of area and in the next years. But the most challenging one is in the area that we are facing at this, this moment. For example, uh, Reykjanes, uh, the town of Reykjanes is outside of the area which is prone to volcanic eruption. But lava flow, of course, can, can have a risk to all of the area, and, uh, and we have, have made some plans for that. But, but the, the, the most risk, again, is, has been and will be for the Grindavik area, and that's why we have all this plan. That's why, that's why we could evacuate with uh, any injuries or any problems, because the population of Grindavik is, ha is and, and will be prepared for, for further uh, happenings. What about the other time? What plans have you got for that other time, should the lava flow? Well, we have uh, plans for making barriers, and also we have plans for evacuation. If, if so unlikely it would happen that we needed to evacuate it, we have made evacuation plans for all the area. But it's, like I said, it's a, it's a highly unlikely scenario, but of course we, we, plan, we try to plan for everything. There is more from Aruv English with all the news from Iceland in English at ruv.is slash English. Aruv English Radio is a daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Aruv.